homily four of homilies on ephesians by st john chrysostom this librivox recording is in the public domain homily four chapter two verses one through three and you did he quicken when ye were dead through your trespasses and sins wherein aforetime ye walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience among whom we also all once lived in the lusts of our flesh doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest there is we know a corporal and there is also a spiritual dying of the first it is no crime to partake nor is there any peril in it inasmuch as there is no blame attached to it for it is a matter of nature not of deliberate choice it had its origin in the transgression of the first created man and thenceforward in its issue it passed into a nature and at all events will quickly be brought to a termination whereas this spiritual dying being a matter of deliberate choice has criminality and has no termination observe then how paul having already shown how exceedingly great a thing it is insomuch that to heal a deadened soul is a far greater thing than to raise the dead so now again lays it down in all its real greatness and you saith he when ye were dead through your trespasses and sins wherein aforetime ye walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience you observe the gentleness of paul and how on all occasions he encourages the hearer not bearing too hard upon him for whereas he had said ye have arrived at the very last degree of wickedness for such is the meaning of becoming dead that he may not excessively distress them because men are put to shame when their former misdeeds are brought forward cancelled though they be and no longer attended with danger he gives them as it were an accomplice that it may not be supposed that the work is all their own and that accomplice a powerful one and who then is this the devil he does much the same also in the epistle to the corinthians where after saying be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters and after enumerating all the other vices and adding in conclusion shall inherit the kingdom of god he then adds and such were some of you he does not say absolutely ye were but some of you were that is thus in some sort were ye here the heretics attack us they tell us that these expressions prince of the power of the air etc are used with reference to god and letting loose their unbridled tongue they fit these things to god which belong to the devil alone how then are we to put them to silence by the very words they themselves use for if he is righteous as they themselves allow and yet hath done these things 
this is no longer the act of a righteous being but rather of a being most unrighteous and corrupted and corrupted god cannot possibly be further why does he call the devil the prince of the world because nearly the whole human race has surrendered itself to him and all are willingly and of deliberate choice his slaves and to christ though he promises unnumbered blessings not any one so much as gives any heed whilst to the devil though promising nothing of the sort but sending them on to hell all yield themselves his kingdom then is in this world and he has with few exceptions more subjects and more obedient subjects than god in consequence of our indolence according to the power saith he of the air of the spirit here again he means that satan occupies the space under heaven and that the incorporeal powers are spirits of the air under his operation for that his kingdom is of this age that is will cease with the present age hear what he says at the end of the epistle our wrestling is not against flesh and blood but against the principalities against powers against the world rulers of this darkness where lest when you hear of world rulers you should therefore say that the devil is uncreated he elsewhere calls a perverse time an evil world not of the creatures for he seems to me having had dominion beneath the sky not to have fallen from his dominion even after his transgression that now worketh he says in the sons of disobedience you observe that it is not by force nor by compulsion but by persuasion he wins us over disobedience or untractableness is his word as though one were to say by guile and persuasion he draws all his votaries to himself and not only does he give them a word of encouragement by telling them that they have an associate but also by ranking himself with them for he says among whom we also all once lived all because he cannot say that any one is accepted in the lust of our flesh doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest that is having no spiritual affections yet lest he should slander the flesh or lest it should be supposed that the transgression was not great observe how he guards the matter doing he says the desires of the flesh and of the mind that is the pleasurable passions we provoked god to anger he saith we provoked him to wrath we were wrath and nothing else for as he who is a child of man is by nature man so also were we children of wrath even as others that is no one was free but we all did things worthy of wrath verse four but god being rich in mercy not merely merciful but rich in mercy as it is said also in another place 
in the multitude of thy mercies and again have mercy upon me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies verse four for his great love wherewith he loved us why did he love us for these things are not deserving of love but of the sorest wrath and punishment and thus it was of great mercy verse five even when we were dead through our trespasses he quickened us together with christ again is christ introduced and it is a matter well worthy of our belief because if the first fruits live so do we also he hath quickened both him and us seest thou that all this is said of christ incarnate beholdest thou the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe them that were dead them that were children of wrath them hath he quickened beholdest thou the hope of his calling verse six he raised us up with him and made us sit with him beholdest thou the glory of his inheritance that he hath raised us up together is plain but that he hath made us sit with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus how does this hold it holds as truly as that he hath raised us together for as yet no one is actually raised excepting that inasmuch as as the head hath risen we also are raised just as in the history when jacob did obeisance his wife also did obeisance to joseph and so in the same way hath he also made us to sit with him for since the head sitteth the body sitteth also with it and therefore he adds in christ jesus or again if it means not this it means that by the labor of baptism he hath raised us up with him how then in that case hath he made us to sit with him because saith he if we suffer we shall also reign with him if we be dead with him we shall also live with him truly there is need of the spirit and of revelation in order to understand the depth of these mysteries and then that ye may have no distrust about the matter observe what he adds further verse seven that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness towards us in christ jesus whereas he had been speaking of the things which concerned christ and these might be nothing to us for what it might be said is it to us that he rose therefore he shows that they do moreover extend to us inasmuch as he is made one with us only that our concern in the matter he states separately us saith he who were dead through our trespasses he raised up with him and made us sit with him wherefore as i was saying be not unbelieving take the demonstration he adduces both from former things and from his headship and also from his desire to show forth his goodness for how will he show it unless this come to pass and he will show it in the ages to come 
what that the blessings are both great and more certain than any other for now the things which are said may to the unbelievers seem to be foolishness but then all shall know them wouldst thou understand too how he made us sit together with him hear what christ himself saith to the disciples ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of israel and again but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give but it is for them for whom it hath been prepared of my father so that it hath been prepared and well saith he in kindness towards us in christ jesus for to sit on his right hand is honour above all honour it is that beyond which there is none other this then he saith that even we shall sit there truly this is surpassing riches truly surpassing is the greatness of his power to make us sit down with christ yea hadst thou ten thousand souls wouldst thou not lose them for his sake yea hadst thou to enter the flames oughtest thou not readily to endure it and he himself too saith again where i am there shall also my servant be why surely had ye to be cut to pieces every day ought ye not for the sake of these promises cheerfully to embrace it think where he sitteth above all principality and power and with whom it is that thou sittest with him and who thou art one dead by nature a child of wrath and what good hast thou done none truly now it is high time to exclaim oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of god verse eight for by grace saith he have ye been saved in order then that the greatness of the benefits bestowed may not raise thee too high observe how he brings thee down by grace ye have been saved saith he through faith then that on the other hand our free will be not impaired he adds also our part in the work and yet again cancels it and adds and that not of ourselves neither is faith he means of ourselves because had he not come had he not called us how had we been able to believe for how saith he shall they believe unless they hear so that the work of faith itself is not our own it is the gift said he of god it is not of works was faith then you will say enough to save us no but god saith he hath required this lest he should save us barren and without work at all his expression is that faith saveth but it is because god so willeth that faith saveth since how tell me doth faith save without works this itself is the gift of god 
Verse 9. That no man should glory. That he may excite in us proper feeling touching this gift of grace. What then, saith a man, hath he himself hindered our being justified by works? By no means. But no one, he saith, is justified by works, in order that the grace and loving-kindness of God may be shown. He did not reject us as having works, but as abandoned of works he hath saved us by grace, so that no man henceforth may have whereof to boast. And then, lest when thou hearest that the whole work is accomplished not of works but by faith, thou shouldst become idle, observe how he continues. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God afore prepared that we should walk in them. Observe the words he uses. He here alludes to the regeneration, which is in reality a second creation. We have been brought from non-existence into being. As to what we were before, that is, the old man, we are dead. What we are now become, before we were not. Truly then is this work a creation, yea, and more noble than the first. For from that one we have our being. But from this last we have, over and above, our well-being. For good works, which God afore prepared that we should walk in them. Not merely that we should begin, but that we should walk in them, for we need a virtue which shall last throughout, and be extended on to our dying day. If we had to travel a road leading to a royal city, and then, when we had passed over the greater part of it, were to flag and sit down near the very close, it were of no use to us. This is the hope of our calling, for, for good works, he says, otherwise it would profit us nothing. Moral. Thus here he rejoices, not that we should work one work, but all. For, as we have five senses, and ought to make use of all in their proper season, so ought we also the several virtues. Now were a man to be temperate and yet unmerciful, or were he to be merciful and yet grasping, or were he to abstain indeed from other people's goods, and yet not bestow his own, it would all be in vain. For a single virtue alone is not enough to present us with boldness before the judgment seat of Christ. No, we require it to be great, and various, and universal, and entire. Hear what Christ saith to the disciples. Go ye and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And again, Whosoever shall break one of these least commandments shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, that is, in the resurrection. Nay, he shall not enter into the kingdom, for he is wont to call the time also of the resurrection the kingdom. If he break one, saith he, he shall be called least, so that we have need of all. 
and observe how it is not possible to enter without works of mercy but if even this alone be wanting we shall depart into the fire for saith he depart ye cursed into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels why and wherefore for i was an hungered and ye gave me no meat i was thirsty and ye gave me no drink beholdest thou how without any other charge laid against them for this one alone they perished and for this reason alone too were the virgins also excluded from the bride chamber though sobriety surely did they possess as the apostle saith and the sanctification without which no man shall see the lord consider then that without sobriety it is impossible to see the lord yet it does not necessarily follow that with sobriety it is possible to see him because oftentimes something else stands in the way again if we do all things ever so rightly and yet do our neighbour no service neither in that case shall we enter into the kingdom whence is this evident from the parable of the servants entrusted with the talents for in that instance the man's virtue was in every point unimpaired and there had been nothing lacking but forasmuch as he was slothful in his business he was rightly cast out nay it is possible even by railing only to fall into hell for whosoever saith christ shall say to his brother thou fool shall be in danger of the hell of fire and if a man be ever so right in all things and yet be injurious he shall not enter and let no one impute cruelty to god in that he excludes those who fail in this matter from the kingdom of heaven for even with men if any one do anything whatsoever contrary to the law he is banished from the king's presence and if he transgresses so much as one of the established laws if he lays a false accusation against another he forfeits his office and if he commits adultery and is detected he is disgraced and even though he have done ten thousand right acts he is undone and if he commits murder and is convicted this again is enough to destroy him now if the laws of men are so carefully guarded how much more should those of god be but he is good a man says how long are we to be uttering this foolish talk foolish i say not because he is not good but in that we keep thinking that his goodness will be available to us for these purposes though i have again and again used ten thousand arguments on this subject listen to the scripture which saith say not his mercy is great he will be pacified for the multitude of my sins he does not forbid us to say his mercy is great this is not what he enjoins rather he would have us constantly say it and with this object paul raises all sorts of arguments but his object is what follows do not he means 
admire the loving-kindness of god with this view with a view to sinning and saying his mercy will be pacified for the multitude of my sins for it is with this object that i too discourse so much concerning his goodness not that we may presume upon it and do anything we choose because in that way this goodness will be to the prejudice of our salvation but that we may not despair in our sins but may repent for the goodness of god leadeth thee to repentance not to greater wickedness and if thou become depraved because of his goodness thou art rather belying him before men i see many persons thus impugning the long-suffering of god so that if thou use it not aright thou shalt pay the penalty is god a god of loving-kindness yes but he is also a righteous judge is he one who maketh allowance for sins true yet rendereth he to every man according to his works doth he pass by iniquity and blot out transgressions true yet maketh he inquisition also how then is it that these things are not contradictions contradictions they are not if we distinguish them by their times he doeth away iniquity here both by the labour of baptism and by penitence there he maketh inquisition of what we have done by fire and torment if then some man may say i am cast out and forfeit the kingdom whether i have wrought ten thousand evil deeds or only one wherefore may i not do all sorts of evil deeds this is the argument of an ungrateful servant still nevertheless we will proceed to solve even this never do that which is evil in order to do thyself good for we shall all alike fall short of the kingdom yet in hell we shall not all undergo the same punishment but one a severer another a milder one for now if thou and another have despised god's goodness the one in many instances and the other in a few ye will alike forfeit the kingdom but if ye have not alike despised him but the one in a greater the other in a lesser degree in hell ye shall feel the difference now then why it may be said doth he threaten them who have not done works of mercy that they shall depart into the fire and not simply into the fire but into that which is prepared for the devil and his angels why and wherefore is this because nothing so provokes god to wrath he puts this before all terrible things for if it is our duty to love our enemies of what punishment shall not he be worthy who turns away even from them that love him and is in this respect worse than the heathen so that in this case the greatness of the sin will make such an one go away with the devil woe to him it is said who doeth not alms and if this was the case under the old covenant much more is it under the new if where the getting of wealth was allowed 
and the enjoyment of it and the care of it there was such provision made for the succouring the poor how much more in that dispensation where we are commanded to surrender all we have for what did not they of old do they gave tithes and tithes again upon tithes for orphans widows and strangers whereas some one was saying to me in astonishment at another why sudden one gives tithes what a load of disgrace does this expression imply since what was not a matter of wonder with the jews has come to be so in the case of the christians if there was danger then in omitting tithes think how great it must be now again drunkenness shall not inherit the kingdom yet what is the language of most people well if both i and he are in the same case that is no little comfort what then first of all that thou and he shall not reap the same punishment but were it otherwise neither is that any comfort fellowship in sufferings has comfort in it when the miseries have any proportion in them but when they exceed all proportion and carry us beyond ourselves no longer do they allow of our receiving any comfort at all for tell the man that is being tortured and has entered into the flames that such an one is undergoing the same still he will not feel the comfort did not all the israelites perish together what manner of comfort did that afford them rather did not this very thing distress them and this was why they kept saying we are lost we are perished we are wasted away what manner of comfort then is there here in vain do we comfort ourselves with such hopes as these there is but one only comfort to avoid falling into that unquenchable fire but it is not possible for one who has fallen into it to find comfort where there is the gnashing of teeth where there is the weeping where there is the worm that dieth not and the fire that is not quenched for shalt thou conceive any comfort at all tell me when thou art in so great tribulation and distress wilt thou then be any longer thyself let us not i pray and entreat you let us not vainly deceive ourselves and comfort ourselves with arguments like these no let us practise those virtues which shall avail to save us the object before us is to sit together with christ and art thou trifling about such matters as these why were there no other sin at all how great punishment ought we not to suffer for these very speeches themselves because we are so insensate so wretched and so indolent as even with so vast a privilege before us to talk thus oh how much shalt thou have to lament when thou shalt then consider them that have done good when thou shalt behold slaves and base-born who have laboured but a little here there made partakers of the royal throne will not these things be worse to thee than torment for if even now when thou seest any in high reputation though thou art suffering no evil 
thou regardest this as worse than any punishment and by this alone art consumed and bemoanest thyself and weepest and judgest it to be as bad as ten thousand deaths what shalt thou suffer then why even were there no hell at all the very thought of the kingdom were it not enough to destroy and consume thee and that such will be the case we have enough in our own experience of things to teach us let us not then vainly flatter our own souls with speeches like these no let us take heed let us have a regard for our own salvation let us make virtue our care let us rouse ourselves to the practice of good works that we may be counted worthy to attain to this exceeding glory in jesus christ our lord with whom to the father together with the holy spirit be glory might honour now and ever and for ages of ages amen End of homily four